Hey everyone, how you doing? Thanks for listening again. Or if it's your first time, thanks for finding me. My guest today told me one of the most incredible stories of human perseverance and self-improvement that I've ever heard. And that I think you're probably ever going to hear. At 16, he was rushed to the hospital and weighed in at 799 pounds. He went on a journey to change his life. And he now finds himself helping others to do the same. In addition to speaking, he's fashioned himself as somewhat of a weight loss expert. And he's also an author. Uh, you can find his book on Amazon. It's called One Step, How I Took One Step to Lose 600 Pounds. He's a really amazing guy, and uh, his message is extremely positive. And I'm so glad that he took the time to come on the show and share it with you. Give it up for my guest, Justin Willoughby. But before we get started, a quick shout out to our sponsor for the podcast, Action. Now, if you haven't seen what's been happening at Action over the last couple of weeks, you need to go to the website, drinkaction.com, and that's action with a K, and you need to check it out. You see, Action started two years ago as a specialty coffee roaster, sourcing their beans from a special farm in the highlands of Guatemala and small batch craft roasting them in Austin, Texas, sending them right to your doorstep on demand. But recently, Action has realized that its customers want more. And those are additional functional fuels for active lifestyles. Products like Active, which is a broad spectrum turmeric and hemp based product designed to assist with inflammation reduction, antioxidant. Uh, if you're aware of the power of turmeric and its key ingredient, which is or key compound called curcumin, uh, it's been used in Eastern medicines for years. And it's something that I swear by as well. But in addition to Active, you'll also find Amplified, which is an MCT-infused coffee, um, great performance coffee. It's a great uh, keto coffee. Uh, it's great for fasting. And they've got a bunch of other cool uh, products as well. Lots of things in the works at Action. They even just launched a subscription model. Yeah, set it and forget it. And you get a discount for that. Uh, but if you don't do the subscription and you still want to get a discount, use code word CURIOUS and you'll save 15% on your order. That's code word curious at drinkaction.com. If you like coffee, natural supplements, you need to go there now. Tell them I sent you and you'll get a discount. Enjoy the show, folks. All right. How have you been? Perfect. Oh, dude, been awesome. I've been doing really good. You know, I just, I just went through a divorce last year after 10 years of marriage and thought things were going south for a while, but then just things have been completely going uphill and definitely credit that to, to God at work in my life and obviously hustling hard and making things happen. So just, you know, if things are on the up and up, got a good job. Um, been really hitting my health pretty hard and just trying to you know explore new avenues on on trying to complete my journey and so just just taking things new levels i'm doing really really good got a great girlfriend and i think she's a potential to my wife one day so i think there's a lot of a lot of good things happening for sure oh, how about you 
Uh, same. A lot of good stuff happening. I'm, I'm preparing for my son's first birthday party um, this weekend. So that's kind Come of, a, yeah, man, that's been the focus right now is um, just watching him grow. It's been the kind of unique positive to this whole COVID stuff is, you know, being able to spend a lot more time at home with him mm-hmm. that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to. And the things that I've been able, small little things that I've been able to experience, I, um, in a way, I'm kind of grateful that all this stuff happened because I don't, you don't get any of that back. So, you know, you're, you're kind of the, you're like the third, fourth person who said that they're seeing some really good positive things in the COVID thing. You know, I think it's easy for people to look at the dynamic of the whole thing and say, this is a terrible, terrible thing. And I think, think it is a pandemic isn't fun, but at the same time, when you can start finding the positives in things like, you know what, it, I think it does help people find an alternative way of doing things, which can be a very positive thing and dropping things that that were busying them before. Now they can actually have family time and focusing on different things that maybe they didn't before. So Mm -hmm. I guess all depends on its perspective, I suppose. It is. Yeah. It's momentum. Life, life's filled with momentum. You know, you were just saying how Mm -hmm. things kind of were not going so great. And then within the last year, things have really turned around and, and moved. And I was curious in uh, wanting to ask you if momentum, I mean, do you, do you see a similarity in momentum and how it affects life the same way that you did negatively early on in your life? And I, I guess maybe we should start there, you know, for anybody who doesn't know who you are, we grew sure. up in the same small town in Pennsylvania together. We were in the same grade. We were in the same homeroom for a number of years growing years, up in yeah. school. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, you had, you had a struggle and, um, I'll, I'll let you kind of take it from there and, and lay out. Yeah. The I was, uh, you remember correctly, I was probably the biggest kid in the class and probably the whole grade. <laughs> so I was this big dude and, um, you know, and, and kids are cruel, man. I probably, I think at second grade, I think we were in second grade together. Um, I think the scale said 200 200 pounds, which is insane. But I always had a weight problem in school. I was always the biggest kid. And I had, I had the weight struggle growing all, all through elementary school, high school, or middle school, and then some high school until I was homeschooled. So the weight was a huge issue. And it kind of ran on my mom's side of the family. And I don't want to use that as an excuse, though, because I think, you know, genetics play a certain role in things, but I don't think you have to be a victim to your genetics you don't have to use that as an excuse to why you are a certain way and all this stuff. I mean, maybe partially, but you don't have to just stay there. You can, you can rise above that, I believe, or, or become the best you can be, even when genetics aren't necessarily on your side. So I just was kind of always this bigger kid. And then when I finally hit, I think it was, well, I was really 14 I was approaching a ninth grade. I think that was the year I approached ninth grade, 14, 15. And then I eventually got homeschooled. I think 10th grade is when I was homeschooled. Mm-hmm. And kids were cruel, man, in, in elementary school and middle middle school especially, dude. They were, they were like these, I don't know what happened. Like sixth grade happened and these kids just started changing and transforming. They were becoming these, these, these different types of animals. And they were ruthless. They would say some pretty heartless things towards me because I was overweight. Um, and I kind of, 
you know, kind of parachuted to the to later on where you start feeling bad about yourself, didn't really want to go to school, didn't really want to be part of groups and kind of want to isolate yourself, just kind of pick your friends, but choose choose who you pick very carefully so they'll judge you. Um, but then like at 16, uh, well, 14, I was diagnosed with anxiety and panic attack disorder where it just kind of threw my life to a, for a, for a loop, man. It, it actually... I was paralyzed with fear and anxiety on a constant basis. But on top of that, I had uh, food addiction. So when it came to the anxiety and panic attack disorder, man, I would just want to sit all the time. So when I stood up, my heart would race, so I get chest pains. And not that there's anything wrong with my heart, but it just would just set adrenaline in me and I would just get overwhelmed and then throw me into a panic attack. So instead I would just sit there and not do anything. And to cope with the anxiety, I would start eating a lot of food and watch a lot of TV or whatever, play games, all that. And um, eventually I ballooned up to an extreme amount of weight where doctors were getting a little concerned about me. So they, they sent me to Pittsburgh by ambulance from Bradford here, small town PA. And they weighed me in at, at 799 pounds at 16 years old. And, and looking at that today i'm just like how on earth did i survive that how on earth did this all happen this all happened like that and and just the what doctors would say you know i I mean i had i had people or specialists say you know once they get this big they usually don't come back uh and this is where i had to make a change i was remember sitting in pittsburgh in the hospital bed and I remember looking at life and kind of just thinking about things and thinking about where I'm at. And obviously the way I'm living life is wasn't working. Um, I'm destroying myself with food and it just wasn't good. What and was I'm a guy of faith. I'm not going to hide that. Yeah. And that changed my perspective. Like, okay, God, I'm going to need some help here. And that changed my life. And then I started having things, a different perspective on life, which shot momentum for me to start losing weight, and getting healthier. What was the mindset as you were growing up? You mentioned like the panic attacks and anxiety and then the, you know, compulsive eating as a way to deal with that. Was that compulsive eating something that was impacting you gaining weight early on? Or do you think that you put that on initially for different reasons and then it kind of escalated once you lost a little bit of your self-worth because of the weight? I think I always had this special love for food, to be honest. Um, always, you know, growing up, I, I would, I would always sneak food in my parents' house. I, I lived above a convenience store in Minimart. I remember, um, sneaking money out of my mom and dad, on my mom's purse and, and, and telling my brother who is autistic. So he's got like, at this point he was pretty gullible. I could talk him into a lot of things. We took advantage of him and his mental disability. And I ended up trying to manipulate him to go get me some food down at that Minimart. And he would, and I, just cause I was always wanting food. I always wanted something to eat. My parents would, would do these different diet bars here and there. And I would eat like three or four of them in a sitting. They were meal replacement bars, you know, and I would eat, replace, I would eat those. And I would just have this, this special, these, this special want and desire for food. I don't, I don't know what it was. It was like this love relationship that I just didn't want to, didn't want to over, overcome, didn't want to look past. So I think that escalated because I think I fell back on that when I didn't know what else to do about the anxiety attacks. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of just, just Comfort. kind of escalated to that point and yeah. comforted me. Yeah, that makes, <clears throat> makes sense. And you, you know, you said earlier, and I, I've changed my position on this, um, that 
genetics don't play as big of a role because, you know, I can't speak for your experience and, you know, your love for food, but I, I mean, as a kid, I wasn't watching what I ate. I was, I mean, we, my grandma, I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house, which was very close to where you grew up, that same convenience store. I used to go down there and I ate all the same unhealthy things. And, you know, I was notorious for buying a box of the pecan spin wheels uh, or a packet of those pecan spin wheels. And I'd eat the whole thing in a sitting. And I was always very active as a kid. I played a lot of sports and I was on the go, but, you know, I think about that and I wonder, I mean, that to me, I, I can't, I would think that our, our diets were fairly similar. You know, my parents tried their best, eat your vegetables, eat your meals, but I was certainly, I was not eating healthy and I struggled to gain weight and you struggled to keep it off. And so that, that mindset, I think I've been realizing that as I've gotten older, just as my body's naturally changed, even as I've got aged and just slowed down and I've, I've recognized that I've probably been a little harsh on people, even subconsciously and saying like, Hey, you know, tough it up, get moving. You know, you can control this more than you realize. And that's probably only half true. Sure. Um, you know, I, I, you kind of hit on, you know, we, we went to the same convenience store and, and we kind of had some similar dietary habits, I should say. And, but I'll tell you, man, it was like, I felt like I was an endless pit though. I felt like even when I overate, I, and when I was stuffed, I just wanted to keep eating and eating and eating and eating. So I just think there was this, something wasn't connecting up here. It was an addiction. I think, you know, everybody has a different, unique, uh, I guess, addiction at times. People can go to something, a substance or whatever it is to, to ease pain or make them feel comfortable or anything like that. So could have been genetic factors at play. Absolutely. But at the same time, I think there was some kind of something there that just, that just made me want to keep eating. And I don't know if you want to call it at that point, some type of mental disability. I don't know if it was some type of disorder, but I just knew that I just liked the taste of food so much that I didn't want to stop eating it. Even when I was full, even when I gorged myself and felt like extremely full and uncomfortable just kind of sickening to think that's where i used to be and how some people not to judge them but now kind of pity them where they're at it's like man some people still do that and they're caught in this routine this cycle of of binge eating and feeling guilty about it and binge eating feeling guilty about it binge you know just kind of that cycle that's hard to break just because you like the taste of food yeah now perspective's a real game changer isn't it absolutely <laughs> yeah mm. so I, and not, you know, I, I guess just to kind of get a, a better understanding. So when at your peak, I mean, when, let's just say, you, you know, you're, you had somebody run to the store and grab you something, or if you were to go to like Burger King, for instance, would you like couple meals? Like what, what kind of intake when you were at that peak before they decided to load you into an ambulance and drive you to Pittsburgh, when they realized, all right, this is dire. What was the calorie? Do you have any idea what your calorie intake roughly you know, was I, a day? I, I tried to figure that out. So my, my, um, my habit a lot was like Subway. Uh, and not that Subway is terrible, terrible, terrible for you, but um, I would go there and I wouldn't just settle for a foot long. I would have two foot, 
you know, I would get two subs, a cold cut trio or combo, whatever it is now. And I would just, you know, cold cuts all over and lots of mayonnaise and hardly any vegetables. Who needs those? But and lots of cheese, you know, just I would have two of those with some with a side of a bag of chips and maybe a soda on top of that. So that was a good that was a good dinner for me all the time. Um, when I would go to Burger King or McDonald's, I would definitely um, I would definitely have a either a Whopper, Big Mac with an extra hamburger on the side, an extra you know the large fries, super size at that point, and then with a large soda or a milkshake. Um, and that wasn't every single day. And I remember even eating hot dogs. My parents we didn't have a lot of money even growing up, and they were on you know, some assistance and, and we'd always buy some cheap, you know, meals. So we'd get hot dogs. And I remember having hot dogs in a freezer. I need a pound of hot dogs in one sitting with the rolls and, and all that. So I think my, my caloric intake, if I, I try to figure it out one time, there was a couple times I probably would hit about six to 7,000 calories a day, just sitting and, and sitting on top yes, of that, not yeah. doing, I mean, you sedentary. burn calories at rest, but being sedentary and not doing anything you're going to burn some calories, but you know, you're not burning that anything. You're hardly using any of that energy. You're burning energy to stay alive. You're not doing anything else. So you're going to gain pretty quickly. So I would say anywhere between four, 4,000 to 8,000 calories a day, depending on the day, depending how much money my parents had in their wallet, depending how much my brother would go down to the mini mart and buy me something. So it all depends on the day, but that was still an extreme amount for being sedentary for sure. Yeah. So they get you down into Pittsburgh and you, you said you're sitting there kind of contemplating life and your faith played a big part yeah. in that. And I know you've been re really vocal in all of that, but I mean, I have to imagine that's a pretty lonely place to be possibly, you know, kind of at, when you're finally at rock bottom and, and I'm speaking, I guess I'm making an assumption that that was your quote unquote rock bottom, but it had to have been close, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, honestly, I was kind of blind to how big I'd become. It's interesting that I, I say that because looking back, I'm like, how can anybody be blind to being the size that they are, especially a huge amount of weight? And honestly, I didn't, I know I didn't, I wasn't normal. I know it wasn't normal, but I knew, I knew I was overweight. I didn't realize I let myself get to that point. So when the doctors, when my mom actually told me, she looked at the bottom of the hospital bed where the scale meter read, she told me, and I kind of like blinders just fell off my eyes. I'm like, how does that even, how, how, you know? I mean, I remember just being at home and eating dinner with the family. And I remember like just watching TV with my brother. I mean, I just, how, what, how did this happen like that? And, and then blinders just fell out of my, fell off my eyes, it felt like. And then I would say it, it was kind of a rock bottom moment for me because at that point, being 16, you're young, man. You, you have so much life ahead of you. And here you are, this much weight, and your friends are doing everything that you can't do. And you don't even know. Your doctors are telling you that, you know, there's, you're likely, you, just, you might be your last rodeo, so you better get your, your butt in gear. You know, so it, it was kind of a, a, a rock bottom moment because if I didn't change the way I was living life, then there was not going to be a Justin living tomorrow because he was too con much too busy consuming himself to death, eating food. So that was a rock bottom moment, and I, that's where I had to I had to change gears, you know, because the gears that I was using they weren't working, and um, that's when my faith became a reality. And I heard about you know this Jesus guy before, and that's when now I put it into practice because. Well, 
okay, if this is real, I got to do something about it. I got to actually put it into practice. So that's when it really became part of my life. I just kind of restructured my, my, I guess my perspective, you know, I am loved. I do matter. I do have a purpose. My life counts. I'm not just some big blob sitting here, but I'm, I'm loved and, and I'm able to be a difference maker in this world. Stuff like that just kind of entered my head and which changed my perspective. Mm-hmm. And then definitely was a catalyst for my transformation for sure. Mm-hmm. And then also my heart today to help other people experience the same type of freedom that I've experienced. No, that's, it's, you know, the message is great. Um, and I, re- I remember, I, 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 I can distinctly think back <clears throat> and seeing you walking down uh, the road across the street from your, your parents' home. Um, trying to, I can't think of the name of that street, but. Bolivar you, Drive? Or, it was um, kind of came to an intersection Oh, ne- there. Neva Drive? Yeah, Neva. And you would, you would walk yeah. down that road and, you know, kind of started off not, I remember you'd kind of make it part way down the road and you'd turn around and then I'd start to see you at the Y and you'd do a lap around the track and it was just a slow buildup. I mean, I would have to imagine the, the lack of control that it takes to even subconsciously get to a point where you're consuming food to the point where you, you get yourself up to almost 800 pounds. How, how do you find the willpower to start moving on a path of correcting that problem when, I mean, I'm, I don't, I've never struggled with any type of weight problem like that. And I've been physically active. I've been big into fitness and I know the frustrations that I had when I was trying to like add a little bit extra lean muscle or wanted to shed a little bit of body fat, how hard that is sometimes to get up and get to the gym when you don't want to do it. But I've never had to try to tackle that, let alone with, you know, 799 pounds on my back and the weight of the, I mean, additional weight of everything else. How did you get yourself up to do that every single day? And what's that struggle like? So that was, that was a challenge all in itself. I remember in the hospital, it started in the hospital when I was, Mm -hmm. when I was in Pittsburgh, because if I didn't do something, they were going to put me in some vigorous rehab centers which may I add, they never had a bed for me. So I really didn't have to go. So they were going to like, they were going to keep me in a hospital longer is what it came down to. So unless I did something. So I started, they, they sent these nurses in to start walking me a little bit. And I remember just standing, it hurts so bad, but I just had that drive in me to say, you know, I don't want to be here. I don't need to be here. I want to recover. I want life. I want to, I want to be a difference maker. I want to live a normal life. All that's all these positive things started spinning in my head instead of thinking I'm going to die. Instead of thinking that, you know, I'm, I'm fat, I'm ugly. You know, the, the, the thought processes that, that defeat you and make you a victim. And then you don't want to do anything. You just kind of keep going in the other direction, which isn't good. So I just started thinking more positive about things for sure. A different perspective. Like I said a little bit earlier on life and the value system that I now carried, it just started changing things for me. So I remember, um, you know, just, just being motivated by the, by just being able to get up for about two minutes and without my legs buckling underneath me, I remember, uh, heading home and being, I was given an occupational physical therapist come to my home for three to four days a week. And they would work with me to get me moving. The first time I walked, I lived in a house trailer and it was pretty old. And I remember the first time I sat in my bedroom when I came back home from the hospital, they sat me in my bedroom on my bed. And the next day I was sent a physical therapist to walk me. 
in my home to try to get some steps in just to get moving again. And when I walked out in my hallway from my bedroom, so my, my bedroom went from the hallway to the living room. So it was kind of a straight stretch. So when I walked through the hallway, my foot went through the floor because it was, I was so large and that, and that uh, floor was weak. And so my foot went through, my dad had to actually help me hoist my foot out of the floor. And then I got to the couch and I was in extreme cramps. It was just starting to, over, to just overtake my legs and I was in extreme pain. And I just remember that, that feeling of, I can't believe this is happening. I was, I mean, I was in tears, man. I was sick to my stomach. It was just bad. I was already out of breath. My heart was racing just from moving, being so large and moving. And I just didn't want to be there anymore. I didn't, I didn't, there was only two, two choices. Either I, either I quit or die trying, you know, die trying to lose weight. And that was my perspective. You know, I, I mean, I had a new faith. I didn't, if I was dying, I'm going to die, you know, I, and I'm happy where I'm going to go. So that didn't bother me. So I'm just like, I'm just going to give it all I have and I'm just going to keep going on this thing. So I didn't want those cramps anymore. I didn't want to feel that way anymore. And, and, and so that kind of motivated me to just, I like feeling successful. I like the drive that I now developed and, and I want to keep facing these challenges. And I had a lot of motivation around me too. People in my life who actually cared and loved on me, um, especially my, my occupational physical therapist would encourage me. My parents would encourage me. And that encouragement actually went a long way. You know, it's like, it's like you're running that marathon or that 5k and people are cheering you on as you go. It just motivates you to keep going or like you're getting that last rep in that somebody's like screaming, come on, you got this, come on. It just makes you want to do it. Mm -hmm. And it motivates you. So I had that, had that going on and then challenging myself to go to the next level. I was tired of just walking in my home. So I started venturing outside and I started venturing to Walmart. And then I started venturing to the gym. I went to a, a rehabilitation program called Upbeat for a little bit where they, mm -hmm. they scheduled me for a certain amount of time. Like you're only allowed 10 minutes on, on a treadmill and a couple weights. And I eventually got used to that and they were really, I respect them a lot and was thankful for them, but they're on this regiment where they had to follow it. And I just was like, guys, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm doing my own things. I'm motivated. I want to get more. So then I joined the Y. And when I joined the Y, I started just, okay, well, I'll do the treadmill for an extra 20 minutes. I'm feeling it. And then eventually I hit the ellipticals, which I can only do a minute the first time I started. And then now I was up, I remember one workout, it was like a two hour workout on it. And not just about cardio, but at that point in my life, I definitely favored cardio over weights. And now I'm into, I'm into definitely both of them. Um, but yeah, just the motivation, the encouragement, just a different perspective definitely kept me in the game and, and the desire to want to see change and transformation in my own life definitely contributed to my success in the, in the workouts. Yeah. How long was it after that, those first kind of weeks of getting moving that you started to feel or see the difference more than just the, the positive, like, okay, I feel good about myself because I'm taking the steps towards this, but you know, were you, did you shed some weight rather quickly? And, you know, was that a, a catalyst to continue to, you know, Hey, I just, I lost 40 pounds. I can start to see this happening. Yeah, man. I, I dropped 200 pounds in the first year. I dropped another 200 pounds a second year. And I always remember people were just like looking at me saying, man, you are melting. You are melting. It's just, and my clothes were just fitting so much better. I was starting to gain some confidence. I was starting to feel great. And that motivated me even more to keep going. So yeah, I saw, I saw inches come off. I saw the scale move and I couldn't get weight on a normal scale. I actually had to use, uh, oh, those scales I use for, for weighing boxes when they come in from shipment. I had to actually step on those. Um, 
And then also the hospital had one for their patients who were wheelchair bound and they were kind of this digital scales, state of the art back in the day. And we, I used one of those. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was just, I would always see like a five pound loss, six pound loss, 10. I mean, I would lose sometimes 10 pounds in a week. That's just from doing my normal cardio routine and just eating healthier. It was just because my, I was just so active and I just was so ready to get this off. And I don't think it was unhealthy. It was just, my body was responding very positively to the, the changes I was making. Eventually it stalled out. I mean, it stalled out. There was days where I even put some weight back on, you know, that's why you don't look at the scale as the only metric system to success. There's other ways to measure success as well. But at that point in my life, seeing a scale move so frequently and my clothes fitting so much better definitely was a motivator. Just keep, just keep, cracking the whip on my on my journey yeah now did you see a uh like a dietitian as well or what type of diet adjustments did you make and were they kind of trial and error or was it professionally geared and kind of specific to your needs so i'm not a big fan of the sad diet the standard american diet i'm just not i think it's full of real unhealthy ways of eating. And if it was success, I don't know if I can speak out freely, but I think if it was an actually an actual good diet to follow, we would see significantly less disease and, and other things that happen that are diet related yeah. and obesity. So that being said, it's all I'll say there, but, um, I was given a dietitian at first and I looked and I, I was looking at the program they wanted to put me on. And I followed it. It was this, this, this junk fat free way of, of living. And I just, man, it's like eating cardboard and drinking water. It's like, Oh, you want some Wheaties with some cardboard and water today? Toothpick. Here you go. And it just was, it was just licking an ice cube for dessert or something. It wasn't fun. And, this and, not to interrupt you, this was roughly 2010-ish? 2003, 2003-2004. Okay, wow. When yeah, I first no, started that, the process. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, that, yeah, I guess it, it has was, um, been a while. It's been about 16, yeah, 16 years roughly. Because that's, ago, I'm trying to think of, yeah, I'm trying to think, there's been a lot of changes in thought, right? Like, I remember, yeah, oh, definitely. I remember my grandmother's cupboard being filled with, low cal, low fat, everything's low fat, yeah. low fat, low fat. And I mean, what we know now, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. That's right. Like, but okay. Yeah. I, they put me on a fat free, low fat diet. So everything was fat free pretty much. And, and that's when I followed that for probably about three to six months. And you know, you lose, you lose weight just because of calorie deficit. Mm -hmm. um, and there was even some type of controversy on that today. Like really is calories even matter, all this stuff and we can get, that's, that's just geek talk. But, um, yeah. at that point in my life, you know, just kind of cutting certain foods out, making those changes and then moving more, obviously my body's responding in positive ways because it was used to receiving so many calories. Now it's able to like actually use my own body fat to provide, provide energy for my, my body. So that was good. So yeah, three to six months of a low fat, fat free diet, which I felt terrible on him and my cholesterol levels were amazing at that weight. I was total cholesterol was 73, which if you want to talk cholesterol, actually probably is very too low. They say yeah. too low cholesterol actually is not healthy for you. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a whole other topic. But at that point they say it was good. But anyway, I was going off a rabbit trail. And then later on I dropped the dietitian and I just was like, you know what? They're great. They were nice but I'm going to study myself, do my own research. And I was still kind of in a low 
I wasn't fat free guy anymore, but I was still kind of the low fat, high protein type of type of mindset, which worked also because I protein that there's that macronutrient that definitely will burn more calories as it's digested. You know, your body digest, uh, burns more calories as it digests the protein versus fat and carbohydrates. So high protein is, was good and definitely worked for me. And then as I studied more and more and more, I'm finally at a place in my life where I'm like, I know it works and brings the best results for my life, for my personal body type, for what I know that works best for me. And that's more of a low carb, high fat approach, which I'm seeing the best results that way. Now, I don't know if that's for everybody. I think it's an individual base um, type of dietary advice or everybody's unique. Every body is different. So I think what works best for me now, though, is more of a low-carb, high-fat approach versus back then. I, I tried a bunch of different ways, I guess. Yeah. No, I'm glad you bring that up. And I think you're so right. It's different for everybody. I'm, I'm not much of a blanket statement. I was very blanket. I, was, I went down the keto hole for a while. I was very, like, over-the-top keto. And if you're not doing keto, then you're not doing it right. But, yeah. I, you know, I've had success on a, on a keto type diet. I've had success on a more whole foods type diet. Um, I'm probably somewhere in the middle, uh, but definitely I'm a big proponent of healthy fats. Um, one of our sponsors, mm -hmm. and I'm a partner in a business called Action, which is specialty coffees and functional fuels. And so one of our, one of our best sellers, I'll have to say, I don't know if you drink coffee or not. Um, Love it. Yeah. So I'll get you a bottle. We have a product called Amplified. And it's a medium dark roast Arabica blend and it's infused with MCT oil powder. So it's a functional latte that you don't have to put any sweeteners or cream or sugar in. It's sweetened by the MCTs. And so it's a great pre-workout. It's great for, you know, keto style um, diets. It's really good if people are into fasting. I don't know if you do any fasting, but it's a, it's a real good way to satiate and, you know, kind of bridge the gap between meals and still... Yeah you know, keep yourself um, getting some functional energies to keep that mind sharp or to get your, your workouts um, amplified, so to speak. But Absolutely. Oh, and, and, you know, anything inter intermittent fasting is definitely part of my lifestyle now. And it's funny kind of contrasting back to where I was and how I couldn't go without food to where now I can go. I mean, I, I usually... I'll do like a 16 hour fast most of the time. Sometimes I'll hit a 24, sometimes I'll hit a 36. Anything beyond that, usually for spiritual purposes. But when it comes just for fitness and, and dietary methods, um, usually it's 16 or 18 hours. I try to balance between that. And then, yeah, I'm always open to trying new things. I do have a cup of coffee or two throughout the day because my, my job's even, I mean, I'm on such a tight schedule. I'm working a split shift and a job between that, do my own stuff in between that. So I'm always trying to find ways to stay awake. <laughs> I mean, we can sleep and we die, right? So it's just uh, definitely, definitely interested in, in checking that out. Um, I've been kind of reading on them actually. So that sounds great. And definitely would be a good, probably a good partner with intermittent fasting in my lifestyle. Yeah, no, for sure. I'll, I'll make sure I get your information. I'll send you over a care package of a bunch of different stuff. And if you like it, you know, it'd be great. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm totally with you. And I had a gentleman on that I'd like to connect you with. His name's Mike Dolce. I don't know if that name rings a bell. He was, um, he's a professional weight management coach. He was a, a UFC fighter and then he was a, a weight training coach. So Ronda Rousey used him to help cut weight. 
and he works with a lot of collegiate and high school wrestlers in the New Jersey area. Um, and he has a, a weight loss program called the Dolce Diet. And we've had some conversations and a lot of what Mike says is so on point. He's, he's a really sharp guy. Personality is, is super fun. He's got a lot of great information. We've gone back and forth. You know, he's not as big of a proponent on keto, but not because of the lack of benefits. I think more to the generalizations that you kind of talked about where everybody's different and you have to find what works for you. So kind of just generalizing isn't the, the best way to get individual results. So he's, he's big on kind of understanding your baseline, but um, I know a lot of the things that you've been working on and uh, I'll also try to make that connection in the background. I think the two of you guys together, he's got a huge platform and I think him hearing your story would be something that he'd appreciate a lot. Absolutely. I'm willing, I like to just connect with anybody that I can connect with that shares the same heart. Um, mm -hmm. Even if it's just connecting with them offline, just to share life together, you know, like, Hey yeah. man, inspire me. I inspire you. I'm all about that. Connection is great. Thanks. Yeah. So, you know, the hard work of losing all this weight, diet, exercise, life changes, faith, you know, all the things that come along with that. But now you find yourself crap, I, I was thinking it was 10 years, it's close to 16, 17 years that um, you've been on this journey. And I know that you're kind of starting a new one right now. I, I know you've been posting a lot um, for some different procedures that are now kind of on the horizon for you. Are you able to talk a little bit about what that's like and kind of what, what's going on right now in your life? Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, thanks for letting me share that. I just, uh, <clears throat> you know, there's, there's always the beauty of losing weight is you get to be more confident and healthier, but there's also a consequence to being so large at one point. And especially if you lose weight very, very quickly and you were so large, um, you get this thing called excess skin that really you can't do anything about. I mean, there are some supplements you can probably take that would help combat a little bit of that, but with an extreme amount of weight gain and all of a sudden extreme loss, there's going to be some, some, undesirable excess skin on my body. And, and so I have a great deal of it that probably would weigh, my guess is I've had some skin reductions previously, um, but I lost more weight since then. And they've removed about, oh, probably about 30 pounds, 40 pounds off my body previously with skin. And my guess this time around is probably another 25 pounds, 20, 25 pounds that need to be removed that I can't lose. And it's just kind of this dead weight on my, especially my lower body. And it's causing me some discomfort as in pain, causing me some heart palpitations. It causes me to get fatigued very easily. I can't do what I want to do. Like, like my friends or my, my girlfriend loves to run and, and I'd love to be able to keep up with her. And I just, I'm not at that point, you know, I gotta, I'm, I'm just chugging and, and driving along and she's like way out there. And, and so, and, and ride a bike. I can't really ride a bike for well right now either because of so much skin on my legs. So I'm just on this journey now, um, not to play victim, but just to say I'm on my journey to complete my journey. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to, I want to see, my journey completed hundred percent so I can be the most confident guy that I can be so I can be the best version of myself that I can be. And that's going to come with me uh, pursuing the completion of my journey. So the excess skin removal, which is expensive. And then what I'm doing now is starting a fundraiser for it. Um, but what I'm looking at is two, three procedures, one for varicose veins on my legs. Cause I was so heavy, so much pressure on my legs. 
Um, not going into a total uh, lesson on that right now, but mm -hmm. it did cause some varicose veins to really pop out and to really be uh, just not in a healthy state. So <clears throat> we're working on getting that taken care of. And of course, it's an insurance game where they just like, well, we don't know if we can cover all that. And most likely, Dr. Toby, most likely will not be covered. Um, so we're working on raising funds for that. And then, of course, after that, they can start working on my legs. And that'll take, they said, there's two different two procedures they can do. Really, I'm looking for a total body, but with my legs included, the one procedure is like 26 to 28,000. And the next procedure is about 18 to 19,000. So it's, it's a lot of money and beyond my, my ability to raise. So I'm just kind of putting the feelers out there to my, to my audience and to people who support me in local town here. Um, and also different news outlets and media outlets I've been with in the past, just trying to just put the feelers out there to complete the journey. And I, I believe one way or another will happen. Either I'll find a doctor who's going to be awesome and will say, let me donate that for you or a cheaper rate or whatever. And I don't feel like taking a loan out on my own body for, yeah. for 75 to 80 grand or whatever. Um, but it's just, I just know it'll happen one way or another. So I'm on that journey to complete the process. And it's just going to take some work and it's going to take me to hustle. And, you know, my whole life, my whole weight loss journey, I've been helping people and assisting people. And, you know, my, my endeavor is to continue doing that in a more confident way. And that comes with the skin reduction so I can be the best me. Yeah, no, it's, hey man, I totally understand it. And anything that I can do to help and put the word out there, not that I'm moving the needle a whole lot, but um, I'd love to, to help any way that I can and share the message so that people can find that and donate and try to help assist if they know somebody that that's, you know, maybe in that space to your point, the stars can align in funny ways. So certainly yeah. um, let me do anything I can to help. I wanted to ask you, so there's a story that I've heard on podcasts and forgive me, I, I should have done a little more research to have some of the details, but I just wanted to throw it out there because you kind of said early on, you were with dietitians, they had you on a specific diet plan you know, the standard American diet, then exercise. And it's hard to argue with the method and the road that you took, like hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But I heard, I've heard this story a couple of times and it's around fat adapted weight loss. And it was about a guy who I want to say was in excess of 600 pounds. And they did a study where all they gave this person was water. And I don't know if they made this person keto kind of adapted prior to doing this, but for an entire year, ate zero food, was hydrated with water, but they fed this person no food. And he lost hundreds of pounds of weight by basically living off of his own body fat and becoming extremely efficient, which in and of itself is pretty incredible if you're not familiar with how kind of your body can change into leveraging fat compared to sugars for energy source, it wasn't as uh, miraculous because I understood that. But what was really interesting to me was the two times I heard the story, both of them finished up with this person didn't need the skin reductions. They didn't have those issues. Their body almost naturally kind of shrunk down altogether um, without, the, without that need. Now, Again, I'm, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if it's true. I've, I'm speaking totally on conjecture of what I've heard, but I heard it twice. And when we kind of lined this up, it made me think back about that. And um, I wasn't sure if you had ever heard that story or if that makes any sense to you based on your experience. 
Um, or if maybe I should never share that again because it's total crap. You know, I, I heard of something I, I, I didn't realize was a morbidly obese man um, who weighed a significant amount of weight just drinking water. And now I know there was somebody who was just drinking water for a stunning amount of time um, who saw great results. And I, I don't understand the complete science behind that. But my, you know, a couple of my guesses would be obviously proper hydration for skin health is really vital and important. And so that would probably play a minor part in, in the skin retraction that's pretty healthy. Um, other than that, maybe just some kind of some kind of biomarker that that they're measuring that maybe we can learn more from you know how i don't know what happened there maybe maybe he was in some kind of ketosis state to where his body was responding in such a way where it was healthy i don't know i mean obviously burning his own body fat yeah. as a source of fuel tends to probably put him in ketosis which maybe that's the answer in that location i i that's a really good i would love to study that a little bit more and that kind of that kind of blows my mind that that's even possible because you hear uh, you can't live without food more than a certain amount of days you know and you're gonna die but, but just living on straight water now i'm curious to see if it was electrolyte enhanced water or just like purified this would be interesting to know that yeah i wonder i i part of me thinks that there was some sort of vitamin drip like it was uh he was hydrated through an iv but there was no like yeah. there was no food that was being taken in okay. so yeah i should do that's a little funny. do a little more but it was so, oh interest me so kids don't try that at home yeah, don't try that at home don't, <laughs> don't try that at home. Not, certainly not a doctor um yeah always found that an, an, very interesting and uh wanted your take on it so yeah that's that's definitely interesting i, I definitely he definitely is under doctor's supervision for sure because mm -hmm. you know the normal standard person doing that i mean heck i tried a i tried a three a three day water fast i thought i was gonna die you know like i I've done them and they just, you don't want to do much. I mean, you're pretty lethargic after day two or three or after day two, usually. Um, so I can't imagine he, I mean, the stars had to be aligned well and he had to have proper hydration as in, I mean, he had to be like, their doctors had to know what they were doing with him because honestly, the normal person who does that most likely wouldn't survive that unless they're under doctor supervision. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. So what's, uh, what's on the, the horizon other than kind of your personal journey? You know, you talked about helping other people who have had similar, because I, am I right in thinking that a lot of maybe your problem early is that you didn't know what you didn't know? Do you think like if you would have been informed better, and again, I'm maybe making a gross assumption here, but do you feel like there's anything that you, if you were around for a younger Justin, that you could have done to impact him? And what ways are you trying to be that voice that either you didn't have, or maybe you didn't hear that you can now impact from the experiences that you've had? Well, I think, I think roughly right now, what I look at when I see other people who are in the same boat I was in, they don't know you know, I, I look at the perspective of this, what you put in your body today will influence your tomorrow. So not that you can never have treats, not that you can never have a piece of pizza or a brownie or ice cream, but if it becomes this habitual method of eating, you are feeding your body death. You're feeding your body fake nutrients and fake foods that just will not bring you life. So there's life in food, there's death in food. And when you eat whole foods, ketogenic, 
uh, whole food, paleo, whole 30, whatever you do, they're really all included with whole foods, good foods. Um, and when you start giving your body life foods, you'll reap benefits from that. You know, there's, there's just so much that comes with a healthy diet. And so when I look at people today, I kind of, I kind of see people eating these, these foods and stuck in these ruts of obesity. And I'm just like, man, if they only knew how they could feel if they were just eating healthier. And a lot of people don't know how they feel when they just eat healthier. It's amazing when you, if you ever, cause I've done this a couple of times when you go into this whole thing and you start, you start eating healthy and then you kind of retract a second and start eating unhealthy again you realize how crappy you felt and you don't, re you don't, when you're in the moment of eating death food or junk food, you don't realize how junk and how crappy you feel. You feel like, I mean, you're just normal to you. Why do I feel so lethargic? Oh, I'm never going to sleep good enough. Or, you know, maybe I didn't get enough coffee today. But at the same time, once you stop eating like that, starting healthy, after your body detoxes and all that stuff, you start feeling more alive. But then you go back to what you were eating and you feel like trash. And you're like, I felt this way. It should motivate you to not want to feel that way. And so that kind of motivates me. And I'm like, man, I know what I felt like at that. I know what I felt like when I was 200 pounds overweight. I know what I felt like when I was eating nothing but white carbs and, and white flour and sugar and that donut in the afternoon, that candy bar over there, because it made me feel better at three o'clock in the afternoon. So my, my heart and endeavor is to help rescue people from themselves because when I see people struggling, I'm like, dude, I have an answer for you. Like I was the guy that was there. I've done 16 years of studying on nutrition and health and longevity and ways to escape obesity. I proclaim, I kind of, and not to be arrogant or prideful, but I kind of, at this point in my life, um, subscribe myself and proclaim myself a weight loss professional because I think 16 years of experience definitely gives you some weight to say, I can help you. You know, so I, I definitely I coach people now and, and I definitely um, put them through programs. I write books. I, um, I public speak, motivational speaker. I do counseling sessions with weight loss for weight loss purposes. I mean, I'm all over the place trying to help and assist people. Mostly everything that I do is either cheap or free just because I have a heart to help people and assist people. And, you know, people are like, oh, I can afford that, then I'll let them do that. But I've never based my services or my profession on finances because I know there's people who are stuck and need answers. Now, I do think there's something to financially investment and financial investments. Mm -hmm. I think when people are actually willing to invest financially in something, they're more sold on it to succeed. I, when I give my, my stuff away, people kind of toss it to the sideline and won't give me 100% of themselves. But once they're invested with their finances, I notice that there's some buy-in. And once there's buy-in, people are open to doing more things and seeing more success. So ultimately, I'm always on the lookout to help people. Now, I don't always go up to people and say, hey, I need to help you. I wait till they come to me. But I'm always putting the feelers out there and always willing to help whoever you know has questions or just needs some assistance. Oh, that's beautiful, man. It's... it's uh need to be more people in the world like you. you know? Yeah. I mean, it just goes a long way when you actually care about my, my heart, man, is just, I care about people and, and, you know, people will still spit on you sometimes, disappoint you. Nobody's perfect. Mm -hmm. And you kind of got to take the high road and say, you know what? Broken, hurt people, hurt people. Maybe yeah. they're broken or hurting. Maybe they're not ready right now. And you can't take things personally. And if you walk around with unforgiveness in your heart and bitterness, and you have a, you have so much weight on your shoulders, you don't even need to carry you know, you don't need to do that. So true. 
you know, and I, I'm thinking right now of the importance of the message that you're bringing. I mean, positivity in general, a hundred percent agree with you. Just people carrying around negativity. It's a, it's like, you know, I don't, I forget the name of the, or the quote, but it's like, it's like feeding yourself poison and expecting the other person yeah. to die. But it's, yeah. you know, I see uh, without getting political, this whole COVID thing, you know, and everybody has a position on it, which I totally respect. I've been very vocal and frustrated with, you know, a lot of people have an opinion and want to share an opinion and none of them are experts, which is fine because we live in a world where you don't have to be an expert to have a voice and an opinion. And a lot of people give really good ideas who aren't experts. So I don't want to try to make it out that people who aren't experts shouldn't be listened to or shouldn't speak about things because we solve problems by having dialogue. But I'm so concerned with everybody talking about, you know, wear a mask, you know, don't go outside, like do all these things. And I think about every study that I've looked at, there's been one commonality, you know, it's, it's not how severe it is. You know, you can argue about the commonality is that unhealthy people have been the ones who have suffered from COVID. And I think it was somewhere in there like 70 or 80% of the ICU patients in New York city were obese. And, you know, we're, we're celebrating that body type. And I'll say that maybe people think that's horrible of me to say it, but I, I had a guest on the other day pointed, pointed me to a recent sports illustrated swimsuit issue and they're celebrating a model on there. Who's, extremely overweight and not that there's anything I don't I certainly don't want to be mischaracterized that there's anything wrong with somebody who's overweight because there's nothing wrong with that but I think it's a slippery slope that we've kind of slid down and we're struggling to climb back up and nobody wants to be honest about all that's led to this but we haven't really been taken a hard line stance on being healthy in this country. We've, we've actually kind of taken the opposite approach. We've been very careful to not criticize people who don't live healthy lifestyles and who are unfortunately suffering from weight gain. And I don't think we're doing anybody any favors by skating over top of the fact that those are the people, whether it's COVID or five years from now, if it's a different pandemic or whatever, you got to be healthy and it doesn't mean you have to be a fitness model, but understand there are consequences. Absolutely. And I I feel like, I feel like we're people don't want to put the work and effort into being healthy. So we're normalizing looking unhealthy and um, coming from being the guy that was overweight. I know that being overweight at that point or that much in my life was not normal and it was not okay. And it showed me that I had some issues going on in my body because a lot of times the outside will show you that there's something wrong on the inside. I mean, obviously something wasn't right and it was showing on my body weight. And uh, I think we try to, to, we try to normalize things to not offend people. So we try to make it like, all right, well, we'll just accept you for the way you are. And at this point, there's a, there's a certain point where you just gotta be like, we can accept you for who you are but where you're at is not ideal standard for you. It's not the best version of you. And you accepting where you're at right now and saying, I want to be like this. I'm going to own it and who I am. You're just making an excuse. Well, because- think about it. If, if, you walk by, if you walk by a house 
and you know, it's the one house on the street and the grass is like knee high and they've got garbage on their porch and their windows broken. They've got some blinds that are tore down. You might not know exactly what's going on inside of there, but I don't think anybody's going to walk by that house and be like, wow, these people have their shit together. I mean, you're going to look at that and you're going to say something's going on here. And the problem isn't that their grass is high and that there's garbage on the porch. The problem is that Every day I walk by this house, it looks the same. It actually gets worse. Something's going on here. And there's yeah. no problem communicating that message, a very black and white message. But if you try to do that with a person, you get instant pushback, not just from the person, but more often or not from the other people around that person who, I don't know if it's, hey, everybody wants to be virtuous and show how great of a, they're, they're kind and, you know, and I get that, but what, you're not, who, who are you helping? As what I guess right. I Enablement. Yeah. We all want the house to look nice. And maybe, maybe we need to be good neighbors and ask those people when they come outside, like, yo, do you need some help cutting your grass or resources? You know, what's, what's going on, man? Like, instead of saying, Hey, you know what? We should all let our grass grow so that this guy over here doesn't feel bad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, you don't do anybody any favors by not speaking up against things. And, and not that you have to be a total jerk about things, not that you have to, but I think being the example and then lovingly coming along somebody and say, listen, there's a better way of doing things and this isn't working for you. So let me help you, you know, and, or, I mean, you, you've got to kind of just feel, feel out the situation. I don't think it's a black and white answer, but at the same time, we live in this, in this time in our lives where we, we uh, accept everything and anything as long as it doesn't offend somebody, I think we're all good. You know, just don't get offended. Just don't offend me. Don't say anything against it. And this enablement mentality where you are designed to be somebody who is healthy. I mean, obviously being overweight is not healthy. Now there's some insulin sensitivities and insulin, insulin issues and people overweight for health and medical reasons. And I get that. We're not, we're not belittling anybody, but at the same time, if you're a healthy individual who's overweight, you probably should look into losing weight and being healthier. You probably should understand that, you know what, there's a better way of living life. And a lot of times I'm like this because, well, number one, sheer laziness, or two, you just don't see your potential, that you can be healthier and feel better. Um, coming from my story, you know, coming from who I was versus where I'm at today. And that's why it's so important to help people. And you talked about COVID and about how, you know, a lot of unhealthy people are, are really getting us and dying from it. And, you know, there's so many, so much studies out there has been shared and you find it hard to believe on the internet what you read is true and what's not true and all that. But you kind of put things to put together in perspective. Um, a lot of it's like, man, if you're taking care of your gut health, if you're, if you're taking care of your immune system health, if you're taking, if you're an active individual, if you're eating pretty healthy and less processed foods, less, less sugar, um, unhealthy sugar, I should say, uh, if you're a person who's getting good vitamin D from the sun and, you know, eating foods that are, that are high in vitamin D, all that stuff I think is so essential. And if you're an elderly 70 year old person or older and you're unhealthy, sure. Take precautions with any type of virus or bacteria or anything because you don't need to be out in public with that anyway so so it's a lot 100 percent. so where are you at right now what are you um what are you weighing in at if you don't mind me asking no that's fine um i weigh right now about uh today i weigh in about 219 um so 
I hit this, I mean, years ago, I ballooned that I gained like 80 pounds back after my 600 pound loss. Cause I would start to eat a lot more, a lot more fruit, a lot more sugar stuff like that. And I ended up gaining like 80 pounds back in a year. And then I look at the scale, looked at my clothes. And I'm like, this is not okay. And so now that that endeavor just to get that off again is, has been a journey, but I'm, I'm at 60 pounds down. I was, I was 280, um, 60 pounds down and, and we're going to keep going. It's taken two years to get to that, but I finally found a rhythm that's actually working for me. Like I said, low fat or high fat, low carb, and also intermittent fasting and the type of exercises I do now. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I know we've, uh, we've got a hard stop coming up and I'll, you know, don't want to take up too much of your afternoon. Uh, where can everybody who's listening to this go to, you know, read more about your story, find what you're doing, be able to support, um, you know, your current journey. Um, where can we, where can I send folks? Um, definitely you can visit me obviously on social media. You can uh, go to find me on Facebook. I'm at facebook.com backslash Justin Willoughby. Um, you can also go to my GoFundMe page if you want to contribute in some way. It's just it's GoFundMe.com backslash Justin Willoughby. Um, follow me on, on Instagram if you want to. It's Insta with Justin. And I'll definitely hook you up with the tag, tags and everything too so you can share them with your people. But um, okay. I'm always a message away, man. My, my books, I have a book out. It's uh, definitely done fairly well for a local um, just inspiring people. It's just my autobiography. And then of course, some dietary tips that I use to shed the weight. Um, it's available on Amazon. It's called One Step, how I took one step to lose 600 pounds. And it's been pretty helpful for a lot of people. So, and then my website is justinwillaby.com. Um, so there's a bunch of different avenues. People can go visit me and check me out and learn more about me. And then definitely open to talking to anybody. And again, I'm, I'm not a guy that charges for you to talk to me. So if you have a questions, you just need some help or assistance or just somebody to talk to, definitely reach out. I'm here to help you and, and uh, share with you my secrets. I mean, I, on my own social media pages, man, I share secrets every day, all day, because I think there's value in sharing what you know so people can see transformation. Oh, that's awesome. I really, really appreciate you taking the time today, buddy. And um, it was great catching up with you. Yeah. Yeah, it's been good, man. I just, I mean, it just was static that you asked me to, to be on because every time I have an opportunity to help somebody, I'm definitely onto that. So um, I think you're doing a great thing here and I'm hoping that it continues to move forward for you. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll shoot you over some of that information. I'll try to get you connected with uh, Mike Dolce as well. And uh, I look forward to catching back up in the future and uh, checking in after everything goes down and hopefully we can share some further success stories and have another good conversation. Absolutely, Justin. Well, thanks a lot, man. You have a great day. You too.